Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name's Matt. My name's Courtney. What and hey, do? we talk about the do's and don't do's of personalized learning. Yes, we do. And today we're gonna, uh, Courtney just mentioned, we're gonna go retro a little bit. <laughs> retro, you know, I mean, nothing's new. Fair. It's all retro to some extent. So everything's in a cycle, right? Everything's a mashup. Yeah. Everything's totally a mix. Mashups. I like those. Everything's a mashup and a mix. Any, so, so what are we going to mash up and mix today? We're going to mash up and mix assessment for learning. What? what? <laughs> okay. So tell our listeners what that means. You know, I mean, this is great question. What does that mean? Because I, I hear that phrase and it's, I, what else are you assessing for? <laughs> well, okay. No, that's, that's actually a really good question. Once we dig into that a little bit more, right? Right. Well, because I guess so. I mean, you all, you all know me by now. Like, you know, I wrote about the, the what is it, the the teaching and learning Mobius strip, like almost ten years ago at this point. The right. assessment and learning are the same thing. There is no, you can't have one without the other. Well, I guess. Let me rephrase that. Okay. <laughs> you can, and many people do have one without the other, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But really, if you're you shouldn't. And for learning to really be learning, you need assessment. So the phrase assessment for learning, I think is, it's, it's, it's funny to me. <laughs> okay. I did not expect that part right there. So what, what are, what, what's one of the other ways that, that you said that not everybody does this. So why, why do people assess if it's not for learning? to report and then move on to the next thing, right? Yeah, exactly. That's yes. where the it, trouble is. Yeah, the assessment is, let's see how you did. Okay, now I know how you did. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's, there's no learning involved, right? It, it's, uh, it's, it's after the fact at that point. Yeah. Uh, and you're just getting a gauge uh, or a grade that you can throw down in the grade book and move right on to the next thing. Uh, and it's super teacher focused. And it's, I wouldn't even go that far. I would go more of it's system focused at that point. We have to, uh, one of your favorite phrases, we have to cover all this material. Cover it all. So we're just gonna fly right through. Yeah, so if you're still working from that, and that just feels like so far away. That is so outside of the way that I think about education and teaching that I, I, ju I just thought of what the other thing was. And I was, I was thinking, it's like, that's all of the other ways of assessing have like gone away from my brain so much. Yeah. Uh, it is, isn't it called assessment of learning when you're just yes. reporting stuff, right? Yes. It, it took me assessment like, what has it been? Learning. 25 seconds or so to even be like, <laughs> what was that? I yeah. purged that from my head. Right. Yeah. So it, learning instead of of learning. We've been doing this a while, Courtney. So I know. So this is like mm, <laughs> why, this, is, this has come up. This I this phrase has come up again in my professional life, and it's okay. really. Kind of, I feel like let's pull out the bell bottoms. Like I feel like <laughs> it's so. 
like I'm like, of, okay, of course, of course, assessment for learning. But here's where I think it's coming from. And I should, you know, I, I apologize to everybody. Let's embrace assessment for learning again. Great. If, if people mm-hmm. want, yes, we do need to talk about it. If people Agreed. want to talk about it. Totally agree. Because that's what you have to do in order to figure out what learners need. You have to assess them. <laughs> and then the assessment needs to inform what you teach them or what you, what, how you help facilitate their learning. Like that's, that's the essence of personalized learning right there. It's the mm-hmm. essence of learner-centered education. So yes, let's talk about how ways to do that and why to do it. But here's why I think it's come up again okay. um, because of the fallout of the pandemic and you know learners being in vastly different places than um, we would have expected them to be or then we would typically see in any given year, mm-hmm. right? The range of what I call readiness levels, the range of where learners are in their learning and what they're ready now to know is, is that that landscape is somewhat different than it has been in the past. And so the only way, the only way to deal with this is to embrace assessment for learning. All right. I, I would totally agree. It has been two years since schools kind of changed the way they do things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That just exacerbated the gaps that we had before. Right. Well, I'm glad it's coming around again. So, so what are some of the ways that, that we can address this type of thing that you're thinking of? Well, I mean, it, it's formative assessment practices. Like, I think that's the other thing that's silly to me is like, why don't we just say a formative assessment? Because it's, it's, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a scary term? I'm not sure. Like I've lost track sometimes of like what, <laughs> what terms in education are triggering and what, which are not That's perhaps formed. I, but you know, I, I think formative assessment has been bastardized in some ways too. You know, the whole, like, all right, let's go here. Like there's no such thing as summative assessment in the actual school, in mm-hmm. the classroom. It, there's no such thing. So maybe that's part of the problem that if we say assessment for learning, we don't have to talk about formative versus summative. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of like that. that. I'll, I'll, let's do it. If we don't have to talk about formative versus summative, let's just talk about assessment for learning. That's funny. Every time I bring up that idea of formative versus summative, and I just drop that, that there's no such thing as summative. Yeah. I've sometimes I've seen like, teachers on zoom be like gotcha yeah everything and i see some teachers are like i have literally no idea what you what you're talking about here of course there's formative and summative that's what we've always been taught in education right and just go to the next step like is summative done if the kids haven't learned stuff or if kids you know fail the assessment right do do you just move on and the answer is always well i'd say most always no of course not we try to help them um, yeah, then it's not summative. I'm like, well, then you're not, not done yet. <laughs> then it's not yeah. summative because you're, you're still working with them. You Because you yeah. just found something where kids now have a gap and you're trying to fill it, which right. is what you we should be doing. You use the assessment to inform instruction. It's formative. Sometimes the light bulb comes on and sometimes it just like flickers a little flickers. bit. You know, <laughs> it is it is a mind shift for a lot of people yeah. at this point. But I think at the same time, you're when you mentioned coming out of the pandemic, that this is becoming more maybe more aware or available for teachers to like understand what that concept means. I think you're absolutely right on that one. 
being, you know, remember when we shut down, it was supposed to be, well, when we come back in the fall, things will be back to normal, you know, and they're like, we're about to start our third school year differently than what we did before. It's, you know, this is the way it is now. So maybe, maybe it's got a real, a real foothold. Yeah, I hope so. You know, and like, like, so I think of formative assessment strategies. I think of embedded assessment strategies. I think of breaking out the Dylan William book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those like thinking of the non-intrusive ways to assess learners, like mm-hmm. intrusive being like test day, you know, like I'm going to give you the end of unit assessment at the beginning of the unit. Like, no, not that. Like, yeah, just thinking of smaller ways to figure out what the learners know so that I know as the teacher where I need to go with their learning, what they need to learn next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was one of the, one of the statements is assess more and test less, right? Yes. Assess more, test less. Yeah. You're always, I always try to sit when I'm talking to teachers, I always try to get across the point that every moment of every day mm-hmm. you are assessing learners, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Because as they react to what we're teaching, you are adjusting what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're asking of them. Mm-hmm in response to how they're reacting to you, right? So we're kind of assessing where we're going. And, and this is nothing new. We've always done that as teachers from right. way back when you adjust a little bit, like your yeah. lesson plan that is garbage five minutes into the lesson because your kids are <laughs> suddenly have different questions that you may not have anticipated. So right. you're always changing and adjusting to them. At the same time, why can't that be like little evidences of learning? It can be where kids are. Exactly. It can be, but it's not paper courting. Why, how, how am I supposed to know? How can I prove that to my principal? All right. We're going to have to hold, do a whole episode on like the the strategy. Cause a lot of these strategies, honestly, it comes from, if you've ever taken a course, a research course, and you've really dived into quantitative versus qualitative, like okay, qualitative is legitimate data. You Mm -hmm. have to take extra steps of like coding it and analyzing Mm -hmm. it and almost making it, putting like this little layer of quantitative on top of the qualitative sometimes in order to really make it um, malleable and like usable and analyzable. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in your classrooms. There's Mm -hmm so much qualitative data that is your evidence of learning and you just have to figure out how to code it and how to how to keep track of it a little bit better so maybe maybe next week we talk about that a little bit yeah i would like that i think i think that makes perfect sense um in the conversations that i have with teachers about this just talking about some of those other ways that we can gather that evidence as we're assessing kids on an ongoing basis whether it's a tangible piece of evidence or not, yeah, opening up their eyes to that is really mind-blowing sometimes because I see it on Zoom here that teachers are like, well, you know, I talked to this kid, you know, individually at my desk or I was, I was in their small group and I kind of helped them along a little bit and then sent them off with something to do. And could, could that be a piece of evidence? Could that discussion I have be a piece of evidence? Yes! You know, could that, yes. could those, you know, uh, what is it? The fist to five 
yep. ideas where people are. Is that a piece of evidence? Mm-hmm. And suddenly they're asking all these questions like, yep, 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 it sure is. There, there's really nothing that can't be evidence. The hard part is, okay, so now what do I do with it? Where do I put it? How do How I do you document it? it? Yeah, yeah. That, that's always the question. And that's, you know, that's another piece of what we're going to talk about, I think, next week. Yeah. But just opening up those possibilities. Like the teachers are like, well, I do that. Well, I, I do that all the time. These, these are things I actually do right now. Well, yeah, it is. We just don't think of it that way because that's not the way we're trained. Right. But we're doing it all the time. And I'm really glad that it's starting to come around again along. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the bell bottoms, but you know, they're, they're okay. They're okay. I've had bell bottoms. I know I mean, you have. <laughs> I have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I... I mean, it's cool to dress up now and then, right? Wow, bell bottoms are now called dressing up. I no, not like not like formal. <laughs> Going to like, a ball. It's yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. I like you mean it. It's like it's fun to you know. I don't know. Be That's weird true. one day. Wear wear it's some true. fly bell bottoms and some platform shoes. Why the heck not? I was just thinking, why did I come up with uh, like going to a ball? Yeah, uh, clearly shows like my wife and I have been watching too much like TV from like the old 1800s and stuff where everybody goes to a ball every night. Yes. With dance cards and gloves. I should stop watching these things. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. Yeah. I totally went. Okay. Now we're off into a little different tangent here, but it's a great way. The evidence gathering can be so eye-opening for what we're doing as teachers right in the classroom all the time. And being able to adjust where kids are all the time and eventually get to the point, which I think we'll talk about next time, is that we no longer have to give any type of like formal assessment that we think kids might fail. Right. You know, if we're giving that type of that type of summative assessment, I want to call it a summative assessment, more of a traditional type of assessment. They shouldn't be having that unless we know they're going to do well. So it's more of just a confirmation of what we already know. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Because we, we know when we give it, like I'm thinking back to my first and first couple of years of teaching. Right. You know, when Friday was test day, as we mentioned before, I knew the kids that were going to pass that test and the ones that weren't, but I did it anyway. anyway. I gave it anyway. Cause that's what we did. Right. So would I have been better off giving to the kids that I knew were going to pass and then worked with the kids that I knew weren't going to. And I, cause I knew what their weaknesses were. Yeah. Why didn't I just take the time and work with them? And then they got a test later on. I have no idea thinking back to it. That, that, <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because that's not the way we did things. That's not the way you did things. Yeah. yeah and there not. was, there was nothing yeah. else to do. Uh, now I think everybody's a lot more open to that as a result of the last couple of years. I, I think you're absolutely yeah. right on that one. So I'm glad it's coming back around. Not so sure about the bell bottoms, but I can go with it. Uh, I guess only if you go to a ball with bell bottoms on. Bell bottom ball. Yep. There we go. (laughs) There we go. All right. So next week, what we'll get into some of those uh, specific ways on how to organize that and track that and figure out where kids are. And then uh, it it really goes along with a little bit of what we talked about last week were some scheduling ideas about how Mm -hmm. to organize your kids. Yeah. at that point because as you said before kids are all over the place now yeah. let's put them into appropriate places depending on what they know all right so let's do that next week that sounds good too okay all right um 
That was great. We're done. Hey, all right. P learn and see everything at Paul and see at eat sleep statistics and uh, at P learn and see Facebook, whatever website, you know how to find it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. All right. We'll talk to you next week.